All right, good morning, and uh, also good morning to everyone who is at home watching online. A big shout out to Ralph and Gladys and Jerry and Terry and uh, many of the others that are, that are home, especially on a holiday weekend. And for everyone here, thank you for being here on a holiday weekend. How you doing? Good, all right. Uh, Happy New Year. Um, 2022 is here. I saw a meme that said 2022 is spelt like 2022. And so did y'all 2020 and then T-O-O. I don't know if you've seen it floating around. And um, I was like, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. And uh, actually today we're going to learn about why we say in the name of Jesus. And I just kind of thrown that out there. Hey, I've got a few things I want to cover before we dive into today's message. Uh, and if you've got your scripture, you can turn with me to 2 Corinthians. We're going to go straight heads in chapter 1. Um, and I'm excited about it. But uh, this is a very important year. And uh, 2021 was interesting, 2020 was a whirlwind, 2021, we thought it was going to be better, and it just felt like the world was getting worse, and so I have high hope, in all seriousness, for 2022, uh, at least for us here at City Church, because this is going to be a year of transition, and, and what you see today, the first Sunday uh, in January, is not going to be what you see come Christmas next year or of this year, I should say. Um, and and this, is, this is a year where we are going to see uh, drastic changes, uh, tr- drastic increase, I believe in, and uh, transition. And so um, how we start this year is not going to be how we end this year, but how we start this year will affect where we go the, by the end of this upcoming year. Um, by the end of this upcoming year, we'll be in our own building, which I'm very excited. It'll be much sooner than that. But I'm very excited about that. Um, and I'm just really excited to see what all God is going to do. And so, uh, that being said, I want to give you kind of just a few quick updates. And just to thank you, uh, Heart for the House, uh, last month was Heart for the House, uh, and where we take a special offering. And so I just want to kind of uh, give kudos to everyone in our church community, as well as the people that are home online. Uh, between our normal giving and Heart for the House, uh, we came in right at $48,000 that came in last month. Um, which is a tremendous help, especially with the, the building project uh, going on. And so shout out to you guys. Thank you for that. Uh, and speaking of 2022, uh, where we're headed is on the 23rd of this month, we're going to have a Vision Sunday uh, where I want to encourage, if you're home, I want to encourage you to do everything you can to be here in person. Uh, we're going to be talking about where we're going, what the steps look like, uh, and then following the experience, we're actually, and we almost never do this, we legally don't have to, but we're going to do it, we're going to have a city church business meeting, uh, and that is because there's an increase in this year's budget, and we want to explain why there's an increase and where the finances are going, and then where your money has, has been spent uh, for the past year uh, as well. And so I want to invite you guys, Vision Sunday is going to be January 23rd. Uh, and then following is going to be a business meeting where if you call this place your home, we want to invite you uh, to be a part of that. All right, so today we're kicking off a brand new series called Blessed and Bruised. Blessed and Bruised, and I'm excited about it because it's diving into the second letter uh, that Paul writes to the, the church in Corinth, or should I say the second letter that we have um, actual uh, a copy of. Uh, there's four letters that Paul ended up writing to the church in Corinth. Two of those ended up going into the Bible. Two of those, they did not have enough 
um, of the, the actual documentation to be able to complete the letter. And so it ended up not making it into the, the Bible or the Holy Scripture. But this is uh, really Paul's second letter addressing the church in Corinth. And what I love about the church of Corinth is the church of Corinth was messed up. Like if you think that you're messed up, the, the church of Corinth was a whole lot worse, all right? And like people were getting drunk at communion. Um, you had other people trying to sleep with their stepmom, uh, division in the church, a uh, lot of things that Paul was addressing. And so his second letter, uh, his second letter is written around 57 AD, and the Apostle Paul is dealing with a few particular things, three particular things, uh, to bring correction and reconciliation in the church of Corinth. And the first one is, is this, that there is division in the church. There is division in the church, and so the Apostle Paul, you're going to see he's going to go right after that division, and he's trying to bring healing and reconciliation into it. Uh, the other you'll see is that there was a false apostolic message that was going around in the city of Corinth and in that known region. And if you don't know what the word apostolic means, it essentially means to send out. And so apostolic ministry are, is people that, that raise and equip people up for the work of the ministry and then send them out to go do the ministry. And what was happening is you had all of these quote-unquote apostles that were coming into Corinth saying that they had kind of this secret message from God and they were lording their authority over the church in Corinth. And so Paul is going to address what false apostolic uh, uh, ministry looks like. And then the third thing that you're going to end up seeing in this, and these are kind of like the three highlights, all right, um, is personal struggle. And we're actually going to dive into that a little bit today is the personal struggle that the Apostle Paul went through. And, and you've probably heard this before, in my weakness, he makes me strong. Or in my weakness, he is my strength. You're going to see that woven throughout the entire letter to Corinthians. Um, and so if you want to break it up, this is going to be the next 13 weeks, which I'm excited about. Um, 13 weeks plus Vision Sunday. So this is going to literally lead us right up to Palm Sunday uh, as we're walking through this book. And so I want to encourage us, chapters 1 through 7, you're going to see the theme is reconciliation in the church. Chapters 8 and 9, there's an underlying theme of generosity. And then chapters 10 through 13 is apostolic ministry and our, uh, in our weakness, God making us strong. And so that being said, I want to kick off today. Uh, looking at chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 3, and we're just going to kind of walk through it. So you guys ready? Woo! All right, cool. Um, chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. And, and so let me, let me just kind of pause right there because, you know, here's right out of the gate. You know, he says, greetings to you. This is Paul. What's up, homie? Hey, um, blessings to you from our God in heaven whenever you experience discomfort, whenever you experience suffering, whenever you experience hardship, whenever you experience whatever uh, it may be. All of us will experience suffering in our life. Uh, all of us will experience suffering this year. Like, Happy New Year, pastors talking about suffering. Yes, because you're going to experience it this year. 
It may be through losing a job. It may be through losing a loved one. It may be you get in a fight with your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your, your, your husband or your wife. It, it could be the kids end up failing, you know, whatever grade they're in, and you got to hold them back a year and, and, you know, then do homeschool all throughout the summer. That's suffering, all right? Um, and, and so the, God is saying, Paul is saying, there's going to be suffering in your life. All of us will experience suffering, but in the suffering, God desires to comfort us all. In the suffering, God desires to comfort us all. And, and here's what I need to say. It isn't if we experience suffering, it is when we experience suffering. And when we experience suffering, who and what is it that we are turning our attention and our focus to? Who and what is it? Because Paul's pretty, pretty clear about this right here. Um, he's saying, uh, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our affliction. And, and so, who or what is it that you're turning to to seek comfort whenever you experience discomfort? If we could just, you know, pull the curtain back just a little bit and, and just be honest with ourselves. Is it that when we are experiencing stress, when we are experiencing anxiety, when we are experiencing discomfort, are we turning to God in those areas or are we turning to something else? Something else could be, Binging Netflix, right? You know, whatever, I don't even know. The Witcher, The Witcher. I haven't seen it, so don't, no one say anything to me, all right? But The Witcher, everyone's like, The Witcher's, you know, it's amazing. Is that what's giving you comfort? You know, you've had a hard day. The holidays were stressful. The in-laws were there. You know, you had that crazy uncle, and finally it's just like, oh, I just want to watch Netflix. Just going to watch Netflix, right? Uh, for some of us, it may be turning to a bottle or to some other form of substance or popping pills. For, for some of us, it could be food, that food is the substance that we go to to seek comfort. In all of those things, all of those things are a, a false sense of comfort, and, and it may satisfy you in the short term, but in the long term. Right After that buzz goes down or after that Netflix show is over or after whatever it is that you might be going after to satisfy you, once that ends, you're going to be sitting there with the same emotion, the same hurt, the same void in your heart and discomfort in your heart unless you are putting your hope into something else besides you. Even Paul says this. He says that, hey, uh, we, God wants to comfort us in our affliction so that we can go and comfort those around us. It is in our discomfort, it is in our suffering and our hardship that if we would open ourselves and allow God to use us in a way, he can do so much in and through us more than we could ever imagine, more than we could ever experience. This is why whenever you hear someone's story and their testimony and it speaks to you, it carries so much more weight than someone coming up to you and being like, John 3.16, for God so loved the world. You know, he gave his only begotten son to whosoever really believe it happens. And, you know, that whole thing, it's like, no man, I entered into this. I experienced this sickness. I went through this trial in my life. And you're able to relate to that because it's real life. Can we just, like, like, it's real life. Like, the past two years has been hard. It's, it's real life. Verse, verse 5, for as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in his comfort too. And, and so as we experience suffering in our life, 
then we can also experience the abundance of his comfort. And, and, and here's something I need to say about this, all right? Um, notice how he said Christ's suffering, meaning I'm not talking about self-deprecation. I'm not talking about you just being like, my life sucks and, you know, the world hates me and, um, you know, I keep losing on scratch-off tickets or, or whatever it may be, Right? That isn't what he, he's not talking about self-loathing. He's talking about you genuinely experiencing affliction and suffering in your life. He's talking about you walking through a season or walking through a period where your heart is just hurting for something that maybe you can't fix or something that's just falling apart, where, where you are experiencing pain and suffering all around you. I was talking to Nathan not too long ago, actually this past week, and he asked me, he, he said, Michael, is there, is there any statistics about the churches that have closed during the pandemic? And um, so I went to Prophet Google, and I was just searching and stuff, uh, and, and found out that there is uh, approximately one out of every five churches have closed since the start of the pandemic. New Year's, I'm sorry, Christmas Eve, there was actually a church in Troy, not too far from here, that closed their doors for the very last time. I also saw this past week that Barna said that 30, I believe it's 38 or 39% of pastors have resigned or are in the process of resigning to go back to the secular world for jobs. I want you, four out of 10 pastors, four out of 10. And, and why? Because it's hard. Like, let's just be real. It's been hard. It's been a very difficult season to lead in, very difficult thing to navigate through. And, and so for me to get up here, New Year's, you know, day after New Year's Day, and, you know, it's 2022, it's going to be great. Remember, everyone was like, Vision 2020, you know, God's going to give us double focus and stuff. And then three months later, the pandemic hits, everything shuts down, whole world is going into complete chaos, alcohol, alcohol sales are skyrocketing 500%, you know, the churches are dying left and right. Like, I'm going to get up here and I'm going to be honest with you. It's going to be tough this year too. It's going to be tough. There's going to be hardship, there's going to be pain, there's going to be suffering, there's going to be more COVID, there's probably going to be another variant, it's going to come out probably right around election time, October 20th or so, I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking, my mom is, you know, probably like, hallelujah, you know, uh, <laughs> but I'm totally joking, but, but there, we're going to experience hardship this year, and so in the middle of all the hardship, God desires, but God longs to comfort you and to comfort me and to comfort my wife and to comfort my kids and this family and ultimately our church family. Let me continue on in verses 6 and 7. He says, if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same suffering that we suffer. Our hope is for you is unshaking. Our hope for you is unshaking. For we know that as you share in our suffering, you will also share in our comfort. And, and so I, I think that this is, this is interesting right here because Paul is saying our hope for the church is unshaken. Our hope for the church is unshaken. Listen, um, I have friends in Texas, and I'm just, just going to be very candid. Their church right now, 
man, they're knocking it out of the park. They're, they're growing. They're multiplying. They're adding new services. How are things in New York? Dude, everyone's wearing masks, and everyone's terrified, and no one's coming to church. But you can go to the mall or Dave & Buster's, and everyone's going to be there. I'm just telling you now. Like, if you haven't been to Dave & Buster's, just go. I, like, I, I'm being serious. Christy can tell you. We walked in, and I was having a panic attack just from the amount of people and kids jumping from the hungry hippo. They also have this new, like, Star Wars, uh, you know, uh, what's it called? Uh, VR, yeah, thing. You know, just I wanted to do it, but it was like $10 or something. I was like, yeah, that's ridiculous for a 30-second game. Anyways, but it's, 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 it's different. But, but here's my thing. Through all of this that we have been experiencing as a church community, through all of it that maybe you've been experiencing as individuals, my hope in what God is going to do in City Church has not changed. My hope in what God is going to do in the city of Albany and the capital region has not changed. Because none of that is predicated upon Michael Moore. It is all predicated upon Jesus Christ. And the hope for the world is the church functioning at her best. So that the church in her fullness could bring the healing and the restoration that we're going to see that Christ has commissioned all of us to carry. I genuinely believe that there still will be a move of God in Albany. I don't believe any pandemic or any politician or any new strain is going to keep God from doing what it is that he wants and desires to do in the capital region and beyond. I am convinced of that. And, and so just like with this building, like there's been one headache after another headache after another headache. And listen, I know that the building uh, is not the church. It's just brick and mortar. But we are believing that God is going to use this as a resource. I'm not worried. I'm not worried because God wouldn't get us this far to be like, oh, you're 80% there, but I'm going to abandon you now because I'm not a promise-keeping God. Just walk away and go sips his latte with the Holy Spirit, right? No, God would not do that. And so if God would not do that, why would I ever give in to some kind of doubt that God is not working? Why would I ever give in to this idea that maybe God doesn't want to do this in me or in my family or in my church community? Now, I will say there will be suffering and turmoil and hardship through the process. And this is what I love. In verses 8 through 11, Paul kind of, he breaks this down. Um, and he gives a very personal example of, of what he's talking about. He says this in verses 8 through 11. He says, For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of our affliction we experienced in Asia. So this is what we just experienced. To all my brothers and sisters in Corinth, this is what we went through. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired, it, or despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was not, or, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. And, and so he's saying, what we've been walking through might as well have been a death sentence. Because the burden that I carry, the pressure that's on my back, the anxiety that's caving in around me, it feels like everything in me is just crushing and there's absolutely nothing I can do. Has anyone been there? Has anyone been there? You're just like, life is great, and life is happy, and then boom, you get hit out of left field. Boom, you get hit with this next thing. Boom, you end up losing your job, or, or boom, you get diagnosed with some kind of disease, 
And the next thing you know, the, the burden of life is just weighing you down and you just feel like you're getting smaller and smaller and smaller. This is what Paul is saying. He says, I felt like it was a death sentence, but that was not to make us rely not on ourselves. It was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. And I might add again to that. On him, we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. Verse 11, you also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted um, us through the prayers of many. And so you know what he's saying? He's saying life stinks sometimes. Life stinks, and you're going to experience suffering. And sometimes it's going to feel like there's a death sentence on your life and like you're crushing. But all of that is so that you would get your focus and your heart on the Lord Jesus Christ and that he would be the rock, he would be the center, he would be the anchor for your life. Because what you think that you can do, you can't do, but God can do. God can do, and God will bring comfort, and God will bring hope, and God will restore, and God will redeem. He did it back then, and if he did it back then, I know he'll do it again. And, and so I say this for the church, and I think I've shared this before. Um, I remember as a church, whenever we were moving from the Madison Theater to uh, the bank on the corner of Washington and Lark Street, and we needed to raise $10,000, and I was freaking out. Christy and I, we were in Marco Island with the family on vacation, and I feel like every time we go on vacation, we start a new building project. And, and while we're there, um, life is going, and, and I'm just freaking out, and I'm stressing out. And I remember the voice of the Lord saying, Michael, if you can't trust me with $10,000, there's no way you can trust me with a million dollars. I was like, all right, God, I'm going to trust you. And Wednesday night comes, Thursday morning, we had to give them, you know, $10,000 for the building to, as a security deposit that we didn't have. By Wednesday night, $18,000 came in. And I was just like, all right, God, I'm just going to trust you. And, and so he did it back then. I know he'll do it today. I know he'll do it today. I, and that's why I'm not concerned about, about the new building, right? Um, if he delivered the Egyptians, I'm sorry, the Israelites out of Egypt, won't he do that again? Won't he deliver you of whatever addiction or whatever thing that you might be experiencing in your life that is enslaving you and holding you back? In situations in pain, we should focus on God above all else. I love what C.S. Lewis writes. He says, we shall draw nearer to God, not trying to avoid suffering inherent in all loves, but by accepting them and offering them to him, him being God. Throwing away all defensive armor in our hearts, if our hearts need to be broken, and if he chooses, this is the way in which we should break. So be it. So be it. Think about verse 10 again. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. I love that confidence. We've been talking about faith, right? He, he will do this. He will deliver us. On him, we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You know, here's what I love about Jesus. Jesus is a promise keeper. Jesus is a promise keeper, and he will 
keep all of his promises. Every single one of them. And so Revelation 21, it says there will be a day where there will be no more pain and no more tears and no more sickness and no more all of that. He's going to keep that promise. And there's going to be a day where you wake up and there is no more pain. There is no more void. There is no more suffering. There is no more tears. It is just filled with joy and fine wine and a smoked turkey at the banquet table. But we're going to experience suffering through it all. Until we arrive at that day, that day of perfection, that day of glory, that day of God reconciling the world back to himself. But God is a promise keeper. Uh, A few years ago, Gabe Guzman and I had an opportunity to go down to Elevation Church. Um, And while we were down there, we heard a story about a boy by the name of Marky. By the name of Marky. Marky was diagnosed at birth with butterfly skin. And uh, they showed his video, and I was just truly just uh, amazed by his video. And then afterwards, um, you know, I think it was a year later, Mac Brock came up here and we did our big worship night. And I've kind of just been following the story of Marky from a, a distance. But if you want to talk about somebody who can enter into the suffering and give glory to God, it's this boy, and, and he's, you know, roughly, you know, probably 15, 16, and maybe even a little older. I'm not entirely sure. But I want you to just check out his story real quick. He tells us all the time that it wasn't just at the beginning of his life. He knows that God breathes the breath of life into him every single day. To see what he goes through, man, and, and still say, praise God, though, Daddy. You know, here I am worrying about a light bill that's due tomorrow. And he's like, God will take care of us, you know. Most women, you know, when they have a child, it's like they imagine their child's whole life. You know, their whole life goes before their eyes. Their, their, their pivotal moments, like graduation from high school, their first girlfriend, their getting married, you know, the, wed- the wedding dance. I, I knew I would never have that. Here you've got this little guy with this disease that he's been in pain since the day he took his very first breath and he never complains. I've never heard that kid complain. He was born without the collagen and genetic makeup that connects and binds his skin. And instead of having the seven layers of skin that we would have, he he only has one, which is why they call it the butterfly skin, because it's as fragile as a butterfly's wing. Um, And so any type of friction, any type of rubbing, anything causes the skin to completely come off. And so my my middle child, Carlos, the one that passed away in um, 2013 had it. We went and we saw a geneticist, we went and talked to all kinds of people, and they told us that there was like absolutely no chance he would be born with it. They've never had siblings with the disease because it is so extremely rare. And he was born with exactly the same type as Carlos was born with. I believe with Marky's, the way he is, is his testimony. I think God sent him here to show the people what faith looks like. Okay, you're complaining, and then some of your complaints are legit. They, they're understandable. But look at this. 
He has every reason in the world to be angry and selfish. You know, when I come home to my son who hasn't been able to get up for the entire day because his body's just hurt so bad, but he still smile on his face, happy to see me and never hesitates to thank God for just the smallest little things. Marky heard resurrecting um, on YouTube. We were on a car ride on the way back from one of Marky's um, iron infusions and, res and resurrecting came on. And Marky was like, he was like, oh, mommy, play that again, play that again, play that again. Kind of like flooded his whole thing on music now. Now it's just like elevation worship, you know. There's not a day that goes by in his life since he discovered that song that he does not listen to it. Before he goes into surgery, when they're wheeling him into the operating room, he always wants worship music. What are you listening to? Why do you listen to that before all of your stuff? It's my favorite song. Mm -hmm. He even told the doctors, like he demanded that they wrap the phone in something to make it sterile so he could play resurrecting while they were, you know, trying to get his pick line in because he wasn't going to let them touch him until he, he had that song. He says he is going to be resurrected, just like the song talks about, you know, that he's going to be resurrected in, in his perfect body. I've got a good friend uh, who lives in Charlotte, who is uh, is is connected with Elevation. Over after Marky got out, not gotten out of the hospital, he asked me, "Hey, how's Marky?" And I said, "Oh, he's okay." I said, "Here, I want to send you this." So I sent him the the link with Marky singing, resurrecting. He texted me back and he said, "Man, he said I'm blown away." He said, "I'm going to show this to the worship team." <laughs> They're in here. They're waiting on you, buddy. Hi, sweetheart. Hi, sweetheart. Oh, hi. What's up, dude? Hi. Hey, Thanks for coming. Oh, man. You bet. It's a pleasure. Your story has been, uh, has been told a lot in Charlotte, North Carolina. You've been encouraging our whole team, encouraging a lot of people there, man. And, uh, We've been pumped to meet you for a couple weeks now. Yeah, I've been trying to meet you guys too, huh? <laughs> he's been talking about it every day when I get home. He's like, elevation worship, elevation worship. <laughs> this is my favorite Bible verse, John 14, 6. Yeah? What does that say? It says, Jesus, I am, they, you ate, you too, they are. No one gets their father except for me, John 14, 6. Wow, that's good. Did you get that hat custom made? Yeah, I had it made. I love that. That's awesome. I need to find me one of those. Most people have memories. They have like these scrapbooks of like taking their kids to the ocean. You know, we could never do that. You know, Elevation Worship coming here was like our Disneyland. Yesterday was a dream come true for Marky. Uh, he told me it was the best day of his life. He watches that video on YouTube over and over and over and over. Probably a million of the how many ever million views on that YouTube is, is marked.
back. I want to give you something. Huh? What? I want to give you my hair. For real? <laughs> yeah. You're not gonna miss it? No, I can always get an eye on He's now he's given away a lot of things, you know, but. Um, that hat has been like he doesn't go to the hospital without it. He doesn't go to any, you know, really anywhere without it. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I can always get now. I don't want to. <laughs> now I don't have to go to the mall. <laughs> I think Marky probably blessed Chris and Mac more than they blessed him. When I look at Marky and I see the faith that he has in God. To me, he's a perfect example of how I need to be. His worship music is, is, is what gets him through, and so he said that song makes him hopeful. He said, I don't worry about my disease. When I go to heaven, God's gonna give me a new body. Um, pretty remarkable. Here is a teenager with a disease that there is no cure. Uh, four days ago, his mother posted this picture on Instagram right here. And Marky fell asleep and went to go be with the Lord. I say that because even Marky said five years ago, he says, I'm going to be resurrected and I'm going to have a new body. And despite my skin literally falling off of my body, my hope is in Jesus. Like, I look at this, and, and here we are, and I'm sure we're not the only church that's sharing this story today, but here is a teenage boy who gets entering into the pain of suffering and giving God all the glory and the praise and standing firm on the promises that God has for his church. I want my faith to be like Marky's. I want my faith to be that I could be in the middle of whatever it is that was right in front of me and say his name, his name is victory. Continues on, Paul writes in verses 20, he says, for all the promises of God find their yes in him. Just, just, just sit on that just for a moment. All the promises of God find their yes on him and in him. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. And so if you've ever wondered, why do we say in Jesus' name, there's your answer right there. It's because we are asking this with the authority and the power of Jesus Christ for the glory of Jesus and the glory of God. And so God, we need to see this happen in the city of Albany in Jesus' name. We are coming into agreement with what it is that God desires, what it is that God longs for. And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Because so I want you to just think, because I want to, in this with the very reality, very, very much a reality of like, life is hard. 2022 may be great for you, and this may be your best year yet, but it's going to have seasons, and it's going to have moments that you've got to walk through hell. But his promises are yes and amen. 
His promises, church, are yes and amen. And, and, and so what that means is you can kind of break this down in a few different areas. All the promises in here that are for a believer, for someone who's confessed and a follower and a disciple of Jesus Christ, all of these promises are for you. And so, you know, Kevin read out of Deuteronomy, um, blessed and in, in, in favor coming upon us and, and our storehouse being full. That is for you. If, if you have committed your life to Jesus, if you're online and you've committed your life to Jesus, that is the promise of God that is for you. The fact that there will be no more pain, the fact that we will be completely healed by his stripes, we are healed. Whether it's this life or the next, we will be healed. His promises are yes and amen. And, and then you have personal promises. And many of you guys, you probably have personal things that God has spoken over you. I know that, that for me, God has spoken some stuff over my life. And his promises are yes and amen. And, and then I, I will say this also. As a church community, there are things that God has spoken over this church, prophetically speaking. And I'm going to share more on that on Vision Sunday, so you've got to come back to here. All right? That's, and bring a friend or two or three. We got the space right now. So, um, But there are things that God has spoken and I'm not going to stop believing, and I'm not going to stop contending, no matter how bright the day may look or how dark the hour may be, I'm going to believe in the promises of God. Because Scripture says, all the promises of God find their yes in Him. And, and this is what I also love in, in verse 22. And He's also put us on a, a seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. And that guarantee right there literally means a down payment. That he's given us his spirit as a down payment. For any of you guys that have bought a house, a down payment on the house. The house is mine and then you sign the papers, right? And then you get all the benefits of it. Like the inheritance of the scripture is ours. The down payment is the spirit of the living God dwelling inside of us. And so I can't even come to fathom what it's going to be like when we enter into glory or whenever Christ returns and we get to experience the fullness of our inheritance. Like, can you just imagine? And this is what we put our hope in. This is what we place our hope in. Not in our circumstances. Not in the government. God, no, not in the government. Jesus and Jesus and Jesus alone and so my prayer for all of us here my prayer for everyone at home is that Jesus will be our hope this year and and I don't want to necessarily say this but what if this is the year of the fulfillment of all those promises what if this is a year where God says, hey, you've been crying out to me. This has been held for so long. You've been waiting for this. Here you go. The water balloon, as Kevin said so eloquently earlier, catches up to us and bathes us with his glory. And so I'm going to pray. I want to invite you to stand. And I just want to challenge us. Listen. This entire 
13 weeks is going to be like this, just so you know. I mean, there'll be some fun moments too, but there's a lot. Wait till we get to 2 Corinthians 5. Like, <clears throat> just wreck you, man. But I want to be wrecked by God this year. I want it to be that God is my priority. God is my hope. And that I'm able to just trust in Him. And so, Father, as we worship, as we praise you, as we sing, I just ask that you would inhabit this place, God, that we can just put our hope and our trust in you, that your promises are yes and amen. Father, let it be that in 2022, you do something new in City Church, that you do something new in all of us as individuals. You do something new in marriages and families in this church, Father. God, I just ask that this would be a year for the promises that we've been believing for, the promises that many of us have been crying out for, the promises that we've wanted to maybe even give up on, that this would be a year of the promises coming to fruition, that this would be a year of reconciliation, of healing, of restoration, and an increase of your faith in our church, God. And so, Lord, we love you and we worship you. In Jesus' name.